This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Welcome to another week of our podcast that's been going on forever and ever. And you're still here <laughs> listening. We're so happy. We're so happy. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to support the podcast this week. I didn't think we'd ever have this topic with Claire on the show just because Claire doesn't love running, but we're going to be talking about running. We have Kelly Lutz on the show who we met through the interwebs and also your local. You live in Colorado. You live in Denver, right? Arvada. Arvada, yeah. Close enough. You and I met at a recent, or not a recent, but like a local farmer's market and just very like close connections in the Colorado area. And so we're or in the Denver area. So you and I have talked off and on about running and talking through Instagram. And you're like, hey, I should come on and talk about running because people have like a weird relationship with running. I am doing a race I'll talk about in a second in May. And I was like, well, sure, let's talk about something that we all kind of have this weird relationship with either you love it or you hate it. There doesn't really seem to be an in between. So let's talk about running, Kelly. Tell our listeners who you are, where you're from and why you're a running coach. (laughs) Sure. So like you said, I'm Kelly. Um, I've been a running coach since the end of 2020. So it's still fairly recent, but I'm also a data scientist. So half nerd, half runner. I became a running coach because I started training for my second 50K in 2020. And I just remembered my first 50K and how awesome it felt. And Claire's giving me a look right now. Well, the immediate thing, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The immediate thing is I'm like, I when you said how blank I felt, I thought you were gonna be like how awful I felt. Cause I'm like 50K is so much. Like how anyway. long in time? Like yeah. how how many minutes does that take you to run that long? Um, or hours or days? I don't know. How do you measure <laughs> It's like the uh, rent song. It was like seven hours and 15 minutes. Seven hours, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> of pure agony. Yeah. I'm just um, projecting onto you. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is that's the shortest ultra marathon distance. So. All right. Well, that's a thing. So, okay. Continue. We were <laughs> okay, already, we're already, our minds are already blown at just distances. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided I wanted to run my second one and then I learned there were running certifications so I could learn how to like train properly. And I also learned that ultra marathons, there's not a big presence of females in there. So I wanted to help other women learn how to train for ultras and get into it. So that was my primary driver for starting coaching. And since then it's evolved into just helping other women with their relationship with running and mostly helping them to ditch their perfectionism because it's very uh, common in all of us, and especially with running and working out. For sure. My first reaction when you were coming on the show and just talking about running is I immediately go to the first time that I started to really run for exercise. And at the time it was more about the very late 90s, early 2000s culture of you're going to lose weight, you're going to burn the most calories, that whole Mm -hmm. rhetoric around why people run is because it burns, quote unquote, burns the most calories. And I had a very disordered relationship with exercise when I was in college, but I that's kind of how I got into it. So when you were coming on the show, I was like, wow, it really 
is an emotional relationship with running. And I'm sure people who have tried it uh, for a significant, significant period of time, whether it be for races or for exercise, like significant time that you put into it, you have some pretty emotional ties to it, whether it be good or bad. I mean, I definitely had the moments where you you do hit that runner's high. You mm-hmm. feel really accomplished after you fin- you do a race, You after your first marathon. I mean, I still remember the feeling of finishing my first marathon or running the New York City Marathon. To this day, it's like one of like the top memories in my head, a core memory, as Claire would say. And so I want to start out with just how you view running and how important is it for us to kind of like be in that mindset of just like, do you want to develop a relationship with running to have like a healthy base? How do you just approach it in general when you're starting to coach people? So a lot of, well, actually I shouldn't say a lot, but most of the runners that come to me, they have like a race in mind and most of them have been running for some time, but like you said, their relationship might not have been the best. And one of the biggest struggles that I found um, with myself and with my runners is following a training plan. We always feel like we have to do what is prescribed every single day. And if we don't do that, then we're a failure. Helping my runners see that sometimes just getting out the door is what's best and not completing a run to the prescribed time or mileage, whatever it may be, is perfectly fine and sometimes better than trying to push through on those days. And just trying to rework the mindset that we need to be perfect. There's only one way to train for a race and starting to think beyond the race to a long-term relationship with running. Um, Cause you can only sustain, you know, like rigid training for so long and that's not usually sustainable for your life. So also putting an emphasis on like figuring out what works for you and your life, Claire, with the hungry fitness, I think you're doing that works really well for you. I think about a question we got from a listener a while ago, and I answered this more in jest, but I think it's a serious question that this listener asked was, how do I love get to love running? And I think when I answered it, I was like, well, you don't have to run because my lens was coming from a place of like, don't do exercise you don't love. But what if someone truly has an interest in it? Like that's, that's important if they want to try it, but they're scared or they are feel like they're going to hate it. How do you approach that? So I think the biggest thing when getting into running is everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people think that they need to, you need to run without stopping in order for it to be like a quote unquote run. So I really emphasize with newer runners, like let's start out with some run walk intervals for a certain period of time. Um, And they can be unstructured or structured, whatever works best for that person. So like, for example, going out for 30 minutes and doing one minute of running, four minutes of walking, just repeating that until you meet a half hour, that is a lot less daunting and it allows you to ease into running without hating it as much because then obviously there's more walking than running in that interval split. And that's just a lot more accessible for people getting into running. And I feel like a lot of people hate running because they feel like they can't like run a mile without stopping. Right. Or you see all these people out there that are just, especially in Colorado, there's just so many fit people. You know, whenever Scott and I drive by Sloan's Lake, we just, I mean, people just, we always say killing it. We're like, that guy is killing it. You compare yourself. How can you not? Or you mm-hmm. see people on Instagram or, you know, I ran on the Peloton a lot last year. And there's one coach who I swear to goodness gracious is like a gazelle. And I would always try to like keep up with her. It's just, it's, but it's impossible. Like that is impossible for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we do that a lot, like we do with everything of just comparison. So you're, you're, and most people that are kind of like really wanting to get into something, they want to do really well and they want to perform, they want to succeed, but setting realistic expectations, expectations is what I'm hearing you say. I really feel that from like being born and bred in Boulder that like the average just Boulder person are not, you know, are like annual, the, have you ever run the Boulder Boulder, right? There's this 10 K over Memorial day weekend in Boulder. And it's a very big deal. It's Mm -hmm. like, I think it's the, one of the biggest 10 Ks in the country. And it is like, it's so fun, but it's just, it's just the more that I reflect on that being like this huge cornerstone of the community, it's just so representative of this mindset in Boulder that like, what are you doing on Monday morning at 7 a.m.? Oh, I'm going to go run six miles. And then I like might go to a barbecue. I don't know. Like that's just going to be like this quick, fun thing I do in my morning. And then I'm going to go out for the rest of my day and go to the, the like, you know, the um, Memorial Day Festival or whatever to what Joy was saying. Like, I remember in college, I'd be running on my favorite little trail in Boulder and like an 85 year old man would just run past me. And I'd be like, cool. Or how many people just know off the top of their head, a dozen people who've like run a hundred miles, you know, who've done like the Leadville 100, the baseline amount of athleticism. When I think of a runner, and I think this is why I'm so intimidated by it, because to your point, when I think of a runner, I think of someone who's like going to go in the mountains and run a hundred miles. And I'm like, I can really run. I can really run more than a half mile without getting very uncomfortable. Or people will say, Oh, like just pick a conversational pace. I'm like, if I'm running, I am no longer talking. I like, there's no conversational pace for me. <laughs> I honestly would love to get into trail running. I actually think it would be so fun. I love the idea of like being in the mountains away from all the people. And you tried it a couple of times, right? And I've loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but and but the thing that I keep coming up against is like, if I want to get better at trail running, I'm going to have to submit myself to some amount of like neighborhood running because I can't always, you know, just like hop out onto the trails. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I really relate to a lot of these problems that you're kind of talking about, about around the perfectionism, around the like having this really built up in your mind of what it's supposed to be and having that be a huge barrier. Yeah. And I think today it's worse with like Strava and social media because you can see exactly what everyone's doing, their pace, how far they went at any given time. And then like Joy was saying, like you just always compare yourself. Can I um, admit that I'm multitasking right now and literally editing copy for a hundred mile Strava run challenge that I'm like, that we're hosting through the the company that I work for. Like, right, exactly. A thousand percent to what you're saying. <laughs> and we do live in a place where like everyone is really good at running or it seems like that. I mean, people think I'm really good at running just because I can run far when I've trained for it. But like, I still look at those people in Boulder and I'm just like, wow, I could never be at your level. Okay. So let's break it down really quick. I want I want you to talk through just like the basics of someone who's brand new, just starting. Like, what do they do? Just kind of like generally speaking, I'm sure it's different for every person or you can cater it a little more to mm-hmm. an individual. I don't want to talk too much about the middle because like it's probably a little bit of a mix of everything, but I, or maybe it isn't. But like, I also want to know like, how do you train for a 50 miler? <laughs> what? That's, that sounds like so much time. Anyway, because I just remember when I was in my 20s training for marathons, I was single, had a ton of time outside of work, didn't really have a lot of responsibilities. And running was like how I spent a lot of my time on my weekends. And so I had plenty of time to do it. Talk through the beginning side and then maybe working up to the advanced, I would say advanced like 50 milers and beyond. Okay. 
So for beginners, I think there's like three big tips to keep in mind. So the first one is to get yourself a good pair of shoes. Shoes can make or break a run. And I recommend going into a store to get fitted so you can try on the shoes and make sure they feel comfortable to you. And bonus points if the store lets you run in the shoe and then return them. Yes, like yeah. runner's roost here will do that. Mm-hmm. Roadrunner Sports. Roadrunners is great. Yes. And a running specific store will be really helpful with that. Yes. You yeah. should have like treadmills in there. So how helpful are those gait machines where they kind of look at your gait and they analyze your foot strike? Meh. Okay. I th- <laughs> yeah. I think in previous years, people thought like heel striking is bad. Pronation is bad. If your foot is shaped like this or does this and you need to wear this kind of shoe, but there's been science that says that's not always true. Um, from my experiences and like working with PTs, physical therapists, they usually say that there's not something wrong with your gait unless like you start to feel pain somewhere and then maybe we'll pinpoint something in your gait or like the shoes you're wearing, how you're running. But you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And on that note, a lot of people will ask what kind of shoes I like to run in. And I'm always like, it's so different for every person. Mm -hmm. I love a wide toe box. I will always run in a wide toe box. If it's any like a smidge of too narrow. I Anyway, so not everyone has that. And, And then you don't know until you start running more. And then you'll be like, actually, I really like the feel of this. And that just takes time and experience. But yes, continue. So once you have your good pair of shoes, like we were talking about earlier, I would start out with run walk intervals. And if you're really brand new to running, I would probably start out with two or three times a week of like 10 to 30 minutes, depending on the other activities you've done in your life, like how built up your cardiovascular system is. But the split that I mentioned earlier, like run one minute, walk four minutes is a good one to start with. And if you find that's too hard, you can run less, walk more. If you find that's too easy, you can run more, walk less and kind of cater it to where you are. For how long would you say starting out? 30 minutes, 20 minutes? I would say 10 to 30, depending on like your base level of fitness. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like 10 minutes is super accessible and the least daunting amount of time because like we can all go for a 10 minute walk, you know? And worst case scenario, if you start running, you're like, wow, this really sucks. You can just go for a 10 minute walk. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. So Um, that would be for beginners. Yes. Another point for beginners, I would go by time instead of mileage. So like we mentioned before, like a lot of us are hung up on mileage and like, I have to run at least a mile for it to be a quote unquote successful run or whatever. But the time I think is more helpful for beginners because you know, like when you're going to stop, which is can be really helpful when you're first starting something versus I have to run three miles. I don't know how long that'll take me. I could be out here for this long or could take this long. So go by time. Okay. So you have the beginner. Uh, you don't need really a lot of gear when you're starting out. I wouldn't say. Mm-mm. I mean, you start to, again, the longer you want run, the more you will feel a difference on where things might chafe. Yeah. Uh, for example, I used to wear when I was marathon training, if a certain tank top would hit wrong after so many hours of running and your arm going front to back, north to south, what have you, um, I would chafe under my armpit and it was so painful. And so you kind of have to learn, or even sometimes it wasn't even the tank top, it was just sweat starting to accumulate and then just the friction of running. And then it was just like, I just remember like being so raw under my armpit. So 
that's when, you know, Vaseline comes in, Aquaphor. I used to Aquaphor the crap out of my feet before I'd run a long time. Um, because that just like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, that was like what I had to do. That's what I had to do to get by. I have a hard time if I like put on too much lotion. I cannot imagine putting Aquaphor on my feet and then putting my foot into a sock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that, but that worked for me because I would get like blisters after an hour and a half on this certain area. So like I would just put all that all over my foot. And you, so these are the little things you learn. Um, mm-hmm. over time of like where you're it's and this is where like body mechanics everyone's so different you you just might not have the angle to get a blister there or the angle for an armpit to be chafed or whatever a lot of people get chafed in their thighs anyway mm. so you know we get we have things that rub together guys and that just happens in running it's true yeah it's true so yeah. you'll learn this as you get you know more advanced in running so that's kind of the beginner thing i wouldn't worry too much about the gear of like having the right shorts or leggings or top or whatever mm-hmm. um would you agree with that yeah i would yeah okay so then as you're kind of like advancing let's talk a little bit about longer distances people who maybe are more let's use okay let's talk let's let's use me as an example as like a middle ground and then we'll go to the the ultra people so for me as a middle ground i would say is middle ground ish i am going to run the colfax 10 miler i think it's called the urban 10 miler in may and i have this tendency to just like run here and there. I kind of do some cycling. I've been running like four to five miles a couple times a week, but I have to work up to this 10 miles. Like, so where I am right now is pretty good fitness. What would you tell me to do to make this like a pleasurable experience where I'm not like hurting at mile 10 or mile five? (laughs) Yeah. Are you consistently running the same number of times a week or is it variable? I'd say it's consistent. I, I don't have like exact days that I run, but I, I do run right now. I'd say two to three times a week. Okay. So I would say three times a week is great. If you could do four, that might be even better. Better. Okay. Um, Just so you can spread out your mileage and not really like load up one day with stress. Um, okay. So just spread it out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like this. I like that even better. <laughs> Shorter yeah. runs are better in my book. <laughs> I feel like the way, like that is counterintuitive a little bit. What do you mean? Like if I have to run 10 miles in one city. Right. <laughs> I would think like if uh, you were training for a one, yeah. like a moment in time event where you're going to have to go out and run 10 miles at once, isn't that what you would be trying to like replicate in your training and get to? Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. So I would say spread out your runs across the week when you're like not fully ramped up, but yes, your long run, we will increase towards the 10 miles. So that one will be your most stressful day, but with four days a week. So like, for example, if you're running 15 miles a week, that's not even number for four days, but let's roll with it. We'll say 16. (laughs) So then it's like, yes, four miles a day versus if you were doing three, now the math doesn't work as well. (laughs) You guys get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The less days you run, the more you have to run on those days, which is more of a stress on your body. Are you saying this is like blowing my mind. So you're saying that like the, um, the total that you run over the course of the week still counts, even if you spread it out over many days, as opposed to, I mean, obviously eventually you'll want to get to that point where you can do it all at once, Mm -hmm. but like, let's, you know, we'll say we'll pick 12 miles since it's divisible by both three and four that if you, (laughs) that running three miles a day for four days will train you in a similar way as running four miles a day for three days. 
Similar. Yes. So the thing I like more about four days versus three days is you get a little running stimulus every single day. And then it's easier to ramp up one day when you are more used to the running demands. Um, Cause then you, so when you first start running your cardiovascular system develops much quicker than like your bones and muscles and tendons can handle the impacts of running. It's really good if you can spread out your running so that your, the impact is not stressing you out too much as your cardiovascular system is like not overdeveloped, but I get what you're saying because Uh right now I was going to ask you this too. uh, Lately I've been feeling like I am just a brick when I run. I feel tired. There's very few days that I've been feeling good. And I'm like, ah, and then I get frustrated because I'm like, well, I used to be able to run a lot longer. And now it's just starting to feel like a, so I think what I need to do, because my, I'll average four to five miles mm-hmm. each time, which is a lot more than I guess what I, I don't know. Let's see if I'm running three times, four to five. So I am kind of like running more mileage per week than I'm going to be running in this race. So I could essentially cut it down and just do it more often and see how that feels. But full transparency, the ego thing in my mind is like, run more, it's better for you. It's like, you got to train hard. So that is like old school thinking of like, well, I got to go for at least 45 minutes to an hour, Mm -hmm. like put in the work when that's probably why I'm feeling so tired. Yeah, I would say even just like cutting down one run a week might help because then cutting one of your runs to 30 minutes or three miles instead of four or five, that just mentally and physically might help you feel better. But it is funny how like we all have our own minimum time or distance that we feel like we need to do every time we get out the door. Totally. Um, what is yours? Mine's three miles. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're like straight 5K. Gotta get it in. Okay. Usually. It's funny. Yeah. Mine's 45 minutes, four miles. I go to, I know exactly the route that I go to Sloan's and back. I don't, I can't relate to this problem. (laughs) Um, I like, it's helpful. I think to talk about, you know, Joy's use case, but also just in general for people who are listening, who are like, Hey, this is, this pertains to me, maybe not for 10 miles, but not to give away all your coaching secrets. But when you start to help somebody train for an event, about how many weeks out do you suggest that you really start to focus on specifically training for that event versus just if you're kind of a recreational go out for like a random run type of person? And how quickly, or I guess like how then how close to the race do you feel like you really need to start focusing on getting those miles more all at once versus spreading them out? So in terms of how many weeks of specific training for the race. Um, it depends what distance you're doing. So like a 5k would be less time than like a 50k. Yeah. But usually 12 weeks is a good like chunk of time for training for a race. Um, once you get up to like marathon beyond, you would want longer. And as far as ramping up your mileage, I would say probably the six to eight weeks before the race is a good time to like start ramping up and then peaking probably like four weeks out so that your longest run isn't at the end of your training cycle when you're most fatigued. So right before the taper, because that's a common thing that I've seen and heard of. Um, And usually you have a one to two week taper for anything less than a marathon. If you are someone who has maybe done some runs in the past and kind of followed like the, you know, the free sort of couch to 5k plans, but you're always feeling like what Joy is describing where every time you try to run, you know, you just feel like your, your body's made out of bricks. I have never been on a run in my life that hasn't felt like that. So I don't, I mean, I like, I literally, 
when I hear people describe like runner's highs, you're like, oh yeah, I felt like I was floating. I have never experienced that. And so maybe that's just why I haven't ever really enjoyed running, but why, like, what are some things that you see that people are commonly doing wrong if they are just kind of generically training? Like, where would you say, okay, maybe start by trying to change this or that up? Uh, I would say one of the really common things is people try to do too much too soon, whether that's like going for one really long run each week when you're not really prepared for that, or trying to run like every single day of the week and never taking a rest day. So that's a big one. And I think something that can help is developing a schedule or routine that you like try to stick to each week. You don't have to, it's not for everyone. Like for example, I usually run Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday, Sunday. And since I've been doing it for a while, it's just kind of natural now to get out on those days. And then I make sure that I have my two rest days, which really helps. I feel like a lot of people just, they either don't structure their plan in any way or they go out when they want and then they end up doing too much too quickly. 1000% what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm like, yep, I'm doing all of those things wrong, which is like why I wanted to be like, oh, maybe you can help me with this because I'm, I'm sure. And the funny thing is, it's like probably like really Google a good plan for for a 10 miler, but I'm just like, I, yeah, I just can't like. I feel like this is a common thing, whether you're talking about running, whether you're talking about, you know, CrossFit, whether you're talking about anything where you, when you first kind of get started, you have this enthusiasm, you want to get momentum, you know, you want to like hashtag never miss a Monday. And so you really just like go out super hot Mm-hmm. with this assumption that, oh, this, like, I have to, you know, get this momentum going. And I think that that is sort of this fake thing that we've all been led to believe by like the shape magazine headlines of our lifetimes. <laughs> but I, I can totally see how that would, it would be very enticing to be like, oh, I'm just going to like go after it right away. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. also a lot of people, well, maybe not a lot, but some people like to do run streaks. So they are running at least a mile every day, which as a coach, I don't love. Speaking of taking breaks. Take a rest. Let's take a rest from talking about running to talk about something that's very relaxing. Probably the complete opposite of running, and that is Ned, our sponsor. We would love it if you would try Ned. If you have not yet tried their products, they have an amazing new dream set. You know how much we love sleep and talking about sleep and talking about the benefits we get from Ned's CBD for their sleep. So Ned's new dream set includes their best-selling sleep blend and mellow magnesium, which I love their mellow magnesium. I immediately feel calm. It's like a shot of just getting your nervous system to go. (sighs) Which one's your favorite flavor? I'm all about the Meyer lemon. Yeah, I feel like a lemon drink powder, like you can't go wrong. So yes, the mellow magnesium, two products specifically developed to optimize your body for sleep and relaxation. It's the ultimate combo to revolutionize your sleep. Mellow Magnesium is a powerful daily magnesium supplement with amino acids and trace minerals that propel memory, mood, brain function, stress response, nerve, and muscle health and sleep. You can support the podcast by supporting our great sponsor, Ned. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, join Claire listeners, get 15% off with code joy. Go to helloned.com forward slash joy or enter code joy at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash joy to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Okay, ramping up into people who want to run for an entire day without stopping. 
It's a long time. I mean, you isn't that how it goes? Isn't that isn't and that's Full, the goal for some it's a reason? Long time. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be like close to a hundred miler, depending on who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the people I know who do the Leadville 100, it takes them like 30 hours. Why? Do they sleep? Can they do? No, sleep? you can't sleep. I mean, oh. you don't sleep. And like, Mm-mm. it's very, very common for people to drop out because they are hallucinating. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. No. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Just throwing that, that I reality had... out there that I, kn- I personally know many rational, normal people who just like contribute to society. And then once a year, go run a hundred miles in the mountains, like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those people listening and you're like, stop judging me. I, I can't, I physically can't stop judging you. Yeah. I'm just in awe that that happens. Okay. So, so we're going to get over ourselves of like, we're going to get over it. And, <laughs> but even Kelly, I mean, you were saying that the long, you know, that for 50 K it took you almost eight hours, right? That's like, that's a full yeah. work day of running. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, With so, no lunch break even. I mean, there are aid stations along the way. You snack the whole time. Really? I have seen that in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> the film festivals where they are just like pounding, you know, gels or whatever. So if you want to are ready, if you're somebody who's ready to take the leap, maybe you're going for, if you're like Claire status runner and you're like, I've, I'm not even a hobby runner, but I have this aspiration to one day run a hundred miles, or maybe you're more joy status. You're like, yeah, I like to go out for an afternoon run. I maybe can dabble in a 5k pretty easily. I can dabble in a 10 K without a lot of training. What does it take to get yourself to that next level? A lot of time, mostly. So if you want to get up to a hundred miles, if you're going off the couch, you'd probably want at least a year of training. Um, first you want to like build your base and then go into the specific training for the hundred miler. But, or if you are more joy status, you could maybe do it in nine months. I know the most about the 50 K distance. So let's yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. We don't need to talk about 100 yet. Maybe next episode we can, maybe you're going to convince <laughs> me to run a 50 miler. No, I'm just kidding. But you, when you did say nine months, I did have a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I could try. 50K, because 50K is what? Like 35 31. miles? Or something like that? Yeah. So it's like a, a it's marathon a, plus. It's a little mini marathon. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Can you yeah, imagine, Joy, light. getting to the end of a marathon and then being like, you have another five miles to go? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> No. Nope. So in nope. my my first 50k, I went from a half marathon to a 50k. So my first marathon was in the middle of my 50k. So I experienced that where I was like, oh, I still have to run for five more miles. <laughs> no, just hard no. I do have a tangential question, which is like, how what do you do to stay entertained that whole time? That's a, actually a great question. <laughs> so usually in an ultra race. First of all, there's people all around you. So sometimes you make friends and talk to them. Uh, I spend a lot of time in my own head thinking. (laughs) I actually get a lot of my content ideas on long runs. I'm just like zoning out and thinking about things or like solve problems. That's what I used to do in school too. I'd like go for a run when I needed to do my math homework and I was stuck. Yeah, I know. I'm really (laughs) impressed by that actually. I mean, the juice is flowing. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, I I think of EMDR with like right, left brain, right, left movement and how your brain starts to move when you're, it's a thing. So I think that's, there's something to that. And 
when I was running a lot, there's a lot of thoughts going. You do work a lot out. You feel better. Mm-hmm. So you think you don't do you, you don't listen to music or anything. So in the races, I take my headphones for like towards the end, it gets pretty rough. <laughs> and that's when I start to listen to music or I don't usually do podcasts on races, but I do podcasts on my, my road runs during the week when I get bored. Usually Thursdays are my best runs, not going to lie, because I listen to you guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? That makes yeah. me feel so good. <laughs> I like wake up. I'm like, it's Thursday. I want to go running because I get to listen because I don't commute anymore. <laughs> we can't stop now. We can never stop now because you need to get your runs in, Kelly. This makes exactly. Sometimes, okay, so this is weird, but sometimes I'm like, oh, like people listen to my voice like in countries that I'll never go to. And now I can imagine people listening to my voice, like doing activities that I would never do. So in a way, I'm... <laughs> I feel, I mean, that makes me feel good. You're, pra- you're practically an ultra. <laughs> I am practically player. an ultra marathoner who also lives in Dubai and some, sometimes yeah. Japan. It's kind of like how people get honorary doctorates, like that you're just winning honorary OMG. races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. And so let's go back to the sort of like building up from being a, a, a small to medium runner into being a large and extra large runner. Yeah. So if you want to train for a 50K, you'd probably want. Anywhere from four to six months of training. If you are, if you need to like build your base, that would be your first probably like eight weeks. And if you're already at that point, then you could go into starting speed workouts, which are really fun. I personally think they're the best. They're the most exciting runs, but so. Are you talking about like tempo or are you talking about intervals? Both. Tempo runs are rough. Do you want to explain what a tempo run is? Because those, those would murder (laughs) me. Murder. Yeah. So the different types of speed workouts, tempo runs are ones where you're running at your lactate threshold. And usually that's a pace you can hold for about an hour. And those intervals are longer. Um, they're usually like eight to 20 minutes long. So yeah, you're, you're running hard for a pretty long time (laughs) continuously, but you like them. Okay. All right. I like Um, the shorter ones better, but yeah. So, okay. So when you're like, okay. So if you're saying four to six months, if you have a good like base, how long are you, how much, how many hours a week, break it down to that. How many hours a week would you need to train for, let's say 50 mile? So at the peak of your training, the minimum number of hours per week, you would need to run for a 50 K or 50 miler is six hours, which is usually a lot less than people think. Six hours a week. That's it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that, but you're you're training with and that's at your peak? Yeah. Your highest volume week should just be at least 6 hours for 3 weeks in a row before you start tapering. Okay, this makes me think I could actually do. <laughs> if you ran oh, a marathon, no. you could. <laughs> oh no. I know, but that I mean it's been a long time and the last one I did I'm like I'm so traumatized by it, but I did it very I I was very dumb. You probably remember I didn't train well for it and I was just a complete idiot. But six hours a week, that's not a lot. So what are you doing? Like, how are you mixing it up? Are you doing like an endurance run? Are you doing hit? Are you doing? So usually during the peak weeks, it will be on average, most of my runners run five days a week. So similar to my schedule. And during the week, they are easy runs at that point. And coming back up for a second, when you're building your training plan, you want to train from least specific to most specific So once we get to the peak weeks for ultra training, most specific is the slower paced runs. So your easy runs because. Got it. Because that's what you're going to be doing. You're not going to be running at your tempo pace (laughs) for 50 miles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then usually 
on the weekend or depending on the person's schedule, let's assume it's a weekend warrior. You usually have two long runs back to back. And usually it'll be like Saturday will be like three to four hours and Sunday will be like one to two hours, depending on how you've ramped up and how your training has gone. Got it. And how you're feeling. Okay. Wow. Yeah. This is great. Okay. So just as a um, a plug really quick too, as people are hearing us talk, and before I forget, where can people find you if they want to work with you specifically for training? So you can find me on my website, coachingclutz.com, or you can find me on Instagram or TikTok, both at Coaching Klutz. My Instagram has, and TikTok has as everything linked in my bio. And you can also just DM me. TikTok doesn't let you DM people that don't also follow you. So DMs for Instagram. Okay, great. That's perfect. Um, Because I just know that there may be people that are listening to this that are like, hmm, I actually, this is sounding like doable. And so I want to talk to Kelly. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So then we kind of have just, we've kind of glossed over a lot of this because I know there's so much more detail, but I want to ask you a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, If people want more information about this, email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com because we can do a part two if you have more questions or you want to just talk more running. But Kelly also has a podcast. What is the name of it, Kelly? Uh, I just rebranded to the multifaceted athlete with coaching Klutz. Coaching Klutz, which I love it because your name is Kelly Lutz and it just goes so well (laughs) together. All right. So let's talk really quickly about the fallacy that you need to be smaller or to have a small body, be in a small body to be a runner. Yeah. So I feel like, especially growing up with like road running, that was always very prevalent. And I ran cross country in college, so it was even more prevalent there. Funnily enough, I never like consciously thought I needed to be smaller in order to run faster, but I do know many people who do have that thought. And I've talked to a lot of women specifically who think that they don't see as many runners that look like them. So they feel like they can't be runners, mostly because, you know, all the elites are pretty small. But I will say in like the trail running world, you do see a lot more body types because trail running isn't as straightforward as road running. So road running is all about like your running economy and your fitness basically, but trail running, there's so much more involved. Like, can you climb hills? Can can you get your nutrition dialed? How far can you go? Can you mentally push through? So it seems to be a lot more varied in the body types that you see. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that because even when I was starting out running, you see like on Runner's World, you think of Runner's World magazine. And back then they were just really putting smaller bodies on the cover mm-hmm. with very unrealistic for someone like me to try to attain. So I was like, oh, do I need to be that? So what are your kind of go-to resources that you like, whether it be blogs or magazines, magazines, (laughs) online magazines, blogs, or anything that you feel like is a really good resource for talking about running or getting into running? I mean, other than you, but like, who are are the people you really look up to? I learned a lot from Jason Coop in the realm of ultra running. He actually just came out with a second edition of his book. What's it called? Trail or Essentials for Training for Ultra Running, I believe. Training Essentials for Ultra Running. One of those variations. Anyway, um, he also has a podcast called The Coopcast. So I listened to a lot of his episodes and he's been coaching for like decades. So can you spell his last name? K-O-O-P. Okay. Because yeah. I just, yeah, I was like, Coop, like it's in Cooper, K-O-O-P <laughs> with a K. Kind of like you, K-L-U-T-Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And another ultra runner that I really love is Sally McRae. 
So she is an ultra runner and she also lifts a lot. So she really embodies like mixing the two, which hasn't been as common until recently. And she also speaks a lot about um, like her body size and how it's not quote unquote, the ideal body size for a runner, but she's an elite ultra runner. So I really like her. That's great. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. feel like this is, I know everyone's going to roll their eyes at me, but I do get like really inspired. I do love running. I like really enjoy it. I've always, it's always been kind of like a home base for me or just something that I can do if I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. It's always been a great way for me to sightsee. Again, if people are just like not super into running, they're gonna be like, why? My husband and I love to travel to do races. We've done that a handful of times. And it's just so much fun to be involved in the community. Mm-hmm. The race fee usually goes to something of a great cause in the community. You get to go to the expos and meet people in the community. And usually they have local products that they're selling that we can buy. You know, you always feel like you're doing something really integrated into that city. And that has always been really important to me. Especially, you know, when we go to Hawaii, we haven't been in a while, but you know, we we've ran a, we've run a handful of races in Kona and Kauai, and it's just such a beautiful. I don't know. I just really, really love that. So you're making me feel really nostalgic about <laughs> getting back into it in like a more formal and deliberate way, let's say, mm-hmm. um, because my training's really just been all over the place, and I don't know. Well, I do know why, but that's neither here nor there. So. Lastly, let's just browse over injuries. Let's Uh, gloss over it real quick. How (laughs) do you handle that? You know, if someone's really got a goal and they get injured, what the heck? What do we do? So I've actually had this happen recently with one of my runners. She was supposed to run Boston, but we've been dealing with an injury for about a month. Yeah, I know. Boston. That's in April, right? That's like soon ish. Mm hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when it first started, we altered her training to scale back her running. I encouraged her to really take notes of how it felt during the run, how it felt before and after, and to keep track of it that way. So we could tell if it was progressing in a good direction or a bad direction. If it is getting worse, then I usually refer out to a physical therapist. So, cause that's their scope of genius and they can really help out there and to get their guidance and see what they think is going on. If it continues not to get better, if you're like training for a race, then comes the time for a hard conversation. It's like, you might have to make a decision not to run your race. And at that point, it's about reassuring that even if we don't run this race, like your training wasn't for nothing. And most of us are in running for the long term. and missing a race. It really sucks in the moment, but there will be more races And just reminding yourself like why you love running, why you want to continue doing it and that taking some time off is best for your long-term running health. And that can kind of help and just finding some other activities you can do in the meantime. So you don't go crazy. Wonderful advice, even though it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I had to pull out of the New York City Marathon a couple of years ago for an injury. It just wasn't feeling good. And it was devastating. I cried and cried and cried. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me really quick what and sorry, if you can you hear um, Joe barking? Yeah. Okay. I'm like, that's some Joe wanting his dinner, everybody. Um <laughs> puppy raising at its finest. Tell everyone what you're, what are you up to? What races do you have coming up? So I've actually been dealing with an injury myself for (laughs) the beginning of this year. Um, It's getting better, but I ran my second 50K last year. And after that, I decided I wanted to work on my 5K time. And then this injury happened. So I've actually been focusing more on lifting and trying to increase my deadlift one rep max. 
I am running my favorite trail race this summer up at Vail. It's a 10K at 10,000 feet. And I try to run it every year because it's just really fun. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. What's it called? I should. Send it to Um. me. Let's do it. (laughs) Joy's going to start running again. Yeah. (laughs) It's called 10K at 10,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And Vail. Like, why not? Okay. Yeah. You get to ride ride the gondola up, which is really fun. Is it all downhill? (laughs) Um, Is the race downhill? No. So you start at the top of Gondola 1 and then you like run around for a bit and end there too. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really fun. Very cool. It is. And very pretty. Very pretty. Yes. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us this week and giving us all the scoop on running a topic. Again, I never thought we'd spend a whole hour on just because Claire's (laughs) like, what? Um, So thank you, Kelly. And just thank you for supporting us all these years. And just lovely to meet you in person when I get to see you. Um, And and then listeners, they can I'll post all the links that you mentioned in the show notes of where to find you. As always, listeners, you can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. Send us an email. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Share it with a friend. The best way to support our podcast that is free is to just tell a friend and keep listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank you guys. Bye.